Walking arenas, I'm setting it down and I'm raising the bar. Y'all look like the kind to get lost in the shovel, just playing the part. I belong in the light. Y'all can just stay in the dark. Funny how every time they know who we are, but we say who we are. I'ma take care of the light work and I'ma make them fans go loco. Black and yellow in a logo. I got the game in a chokehold. Music drops, everybody puts their hands up like their nay nay. Y'all know just what they say. Adam Cole, baby. They will not leave any doubt in your mind. This is the moment that they waited to have. They'll knock you out with a punch of a kick or a little bit of both combo with a jab. Uh, I am Roddy with the flow. Yeah. I am Bobby when I'm bold. Yeah. I'm a Roddy with the gold. Yeah. Every title I'm a hold. Yeah. I era this hard time, you better recognize. recognize. My lyrics bring a house down where the record lies. Yeah. I keep moving, I can prove it. Let me show you how I do this. Can't refute it, I ain't losing. This flow is undisputed. Boom. Welcome back to the Why So Series podcast. I am your host, Brandon, and we got Mike and Old Man Wade in the building. What's going on, fellas? Yeah. Hello? It's really, it's really good. You ever heard that before, Old Man Wade? Nah, who is that? So, it's a YouTube guy uh, called Josiah Williams. Who does a, uh, he has a channel called Wrestling Flow where he remixes a bunch of wrestling themes. And he got hired by NXT. He actually works for a company now. But that was the first well, one he ever did. Well, they need to do something, because a lot of these last um, intros they've done since CFO left have been horrible. Yes, yes, they have. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's super dope. And one time uh, from one NXT takeover, he rapped out um, Adam Cole. I think it was the championship match where he won the belt. But uh, we are here. We're not here to talk about wrestling today. We are here uh, to do, basically, I've been dying to do this since we started the show. Uh, so I've talked about this in many different episodes, but my favorite comic book ever made is Saga. Uh, it's an image book uh, written by Brian K. Vaughn, um, artist by Fiona Staples. And it is uh, my favorite uh, comic book of all time, and I've been dying to review it. Because it's been on a hiatus for almost a year, and it's about to come back really soon. So I figured this was no better time than ever. So what we're going to do is we're going to review these in intervals. So we're going to do the first 12 now. We're going to do the next 12 very soon afterwards, and the 12 after that very soon after that. Uh, And it's 12 after that. I think they're on episode uh, issue 54. So we're going to do a whole series of these to do the whole thing up until when the new books come back out. Uh, And... I'm glad to have Old Man Wade and Mike on here. So let's just start with you. Um, what Old Man Wade, what did you know about Saga before we did this? And then just overall, what were your overall thoughts of reading the first 12 issues? So, <clears throat> so excuse me. So I read the first, uh, the first trade I read years ago when it first came out. But I just never, you know how it is, like you read a trade and you just never go back to it. Um, I happened to have let someone let me borrow with for free, so I was like, "All right, cool." So I checked it out and I loved it immediately. The cliffhanger at the end of uh, issue six was great, and it got me into it. But this is around the time I didn't really have disposable income, so it kind of just got put on the back burner. Uh, then you hit me up over the weekend, was like, "Hey, I want to do Sog." I was like, "You know what? I got the time." Uh, so I went through one through six, and it was better this time around. Now that I'm not in my my head state of only Marvel comic stuff. So I could read this with a more open mind. So even though I loved it the first time around, this time around it was even better. It blew my mind with a lot of like the, the subtle and not so subtle things they were really getting into. 
and especially with this climate, it hit home, hit, it hit a little harder. And then I read the next six, and it was just as good, but in a different way. It was a, uh, it was a, it was a lot. It was a, it was really emotional. It was like reading a, it was like watching a romantic action comedy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I really couldn't put it down. And then I found I was like, and so uh, overall opinion of it, uh, I would just like to say fuck you for getting me into this because. Because I actually just went to Comicsology and I borrowed uh, Volume Three. So when we're done with this, I'm gonna finish Volume Three, and then Thursday I'll buy Volume Four, and I'll probably end up having to catch this like book for book now. This is it's too amazing not to. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad, Mike. What about you? So I think for the at least the vast majority, if not the entire time that I've known Brandon, he's been trying to get me to read this book. Uh. And this is the first non-superhero, non-DC or Marvel book that I have read. And I have actually enjoyed it. I never really gave it a thought before. It's a, it's it's nice because I feel like with the superhero books, I know what to expect or I know what's coming or the, twi- you know. But this is like a very fresh, less, you know, like, I don't want to say stressful because obviously there's a huge plot going on and there's a lot of moving parts here, but... It's a it's a refreshing takeaway from what I'm used to. It's it's nice to see something different, which is my fault because you know I'm so narrow minded when it comes to the comics that I read, and I kind of stick to what I know. So I guess I appreciate having the opportunity to read a book that's not like superheroes and and the characters that I know, and it it, it kind of gives me like a a feeling of unknown because I don't really know what to expect with this book or where it's going to go or anything about these characters. And the only, like, I remember <clears throat> it's funny. I like come across things as I'm reading it. And I like, remember these like buried <laughs> conversations that I had with Brandon a long time ago about when he was first reading this book, like when the sex planet came up, I was like, Oh shit. I remember this. Brandon told me about this a long time ago. You know, or like the Spider Woman thing. Uh, <laughs> so it's just uh, it's it's been an interesting ex- experience for me so far. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this book is definitely different um, than anything else you probably read before because it combines a lot of different uh, genres essentially into one book because you kind of have like this escape genre, like trying to get out of this place. You have a family drama, romantic comedy. You got action. It's kind of political undertones to a lot. Well, over a lot of political undertones to it. Um, all wrapped into this space, Star Wars, Game of Thrones drama. And it's uh, it's fantastic, man. And it, this book is, and it only gets better, right? So, like, if you guys like the first 12 issues, it only gets better. Like, it only <laughs> It only gets more ridiculous in some ways. It only gets more um, uh, surprising. The shocks will come out of nowhere. There's things that you're not going to expect that's going to happen. And I can't wait to get in that uh, with you guys as we go forward. Also, it's more mature than any other comp. Like, there's, it's obviously a little bit more graphic, but even like the themes are way more mature. It's very obviously not like. When, when you read the Marvel and the DC books, I think they're designed so that any anyone of any age could pick it up. But I'm pretty sure that <laughs> that's not their intention with this series. 
So that's another refer. You know, I like my stuff dark and and aggressive. So this is a. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm. It's been fun for me to have that in a comic book because I haven't. I've only seen that in the the DC Black Label stuff, which I really haven't even read that much of because it's just a, a process. But um, yeah, good. Now I was just gonna make a comment about the uh, the tone of the book. Um, you're Mike. You're hundred percent right. Uh, and I've noticed this with a lot of um, image um, books, like their tone is especially, is especially darker. And there are a lot of Marvel comic books that are geared towards any, ever, uh, geared towards everyone, and there are also some ones that are a lot darker, but not like this, man. Uh, for example, uh, what was it? What's her name? The, the Stalker. The Stalker. The Stalker. Yeah, like that was something out of nightmares, man. <laughs> like. And then, like the people who, who the people, excuse me, the beings who greet you on that sex planet, I'll never get that image out of my head. <laughs> that shit is just—it's creepy. And well, we'll get we'll get into it because I don't want to go. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. So, oh, it gets. Oh, just wait till some of the. Ca- oh my gosh, I can't wait for you guys to keep reading this. It's so great. Like I read all it, this and I forget. Like, I didn't. I don't want to say I forgot about it, but I just haven't thought about Saga in a long time. So rereading it, it's just like, oh my gosh. And I'm just like, oh, I know what's about to happen. I know what's about to happen. I'm just getting excited and giddy reading the book. Uh, but so basically, the basic overview of this book is uh, it follows the family of Elena, Marco, and Hazel. Uh, Elena and Marco are two different races of people, uh, species, I guess, or races, however you want to put it, from two warring planets, well, a planet and this moon. And they've been at war forever and ever and ever. Um, and so they hate each other. It's just like they hate each other. Their species and races hate each other. The Moonies hate the Landfallians. They like it's from Wreath and Landfall are the names of the planets, and they hate each other. Um, and Marco was a prisoner of war, where Elena was a soldier guarding it, and they basically um, fell in love, and that's basically something that's just not supposed to happen. And they fell in love. And the story picks up with Elena giving birth to a hybrid or uh, mixed breed or mixed race, however you want to put it, baby, uh, who is Hazel. Um, and because of that, because they escaped in it together, uh, both people, both uh, uh, high ups in both races want to capture them and kill them um, and, and get the baby. And... The reason why is because they don't want it out there that the reefs and the landfillians can fall in love with each other uh, because there's a whole industrial war complex for why this war has been going on to the point that it's a proxy war. They don't even fight it on those two planets anymore. The war takes place throughout the galaxy on other people's planets, destroying their lives and destroying their um countries or whatever the places where they live all over this war that nobody even remembers why it started that part cracked me up when they um got to that part it was like the war what does it say the war has been going on so long neither neither um species neither uh people could remember why they actually fought to begin with which is like almost a direct mirror of romeo and juliet which i feel like is a theme here but it's also a direct mirror to our world (laughs) yeah because like, I'm pretty sure, like when we look, when we look back at a lot of these. I think in maybe like enough shit, not even another fifty years. I'd say another ten years. People aren't even going to remember why people why World War One was um 
was started. You know what I mean? No, World, World War One. They don't know why we're still in the Middle East. That's that's a hundred percent true. They don't know why the Middle East war still happened. And the proxy war is a great example for what we do in America. <laughs> we don't ever fight a war on our on our land. Uh, I'm grateful for that. <laughs> There's never any war in our land. We always go to other people's lands, people who are less fortunate generally, and kill them and destroy their land and blow shit up and cause chaos over there. We don't ever do that shit here, ever. And the people here on our planet get to sit here and live these lives. And we know there's issues in, in the United States, but we don't have to deal with that, right? So we get to just go through life and deal with all the other shit that we have to deal with and not even have to worry about our bombs going to blow up. Do we have to go hide for cover? Like, none of that shit. Do we I mean, there, you know, there's like mass shootings. That's not the same. I was actually going to say that the people um, in other countries, is like, somebody's like, we should go over there and start a war with them. And they was like, have you turned on the TV? They're killing themselves. We're fine. <laughs> yeah. And I'm yeah. not. And that's not even me trying to be funny. I'm legitimately like, what? Okay, let's. You know, not to not to not to bring this up there. Up in it, but since Fuckboy Forty Five has been office, been in office, like now people are just kind of like, the racist people have now risen up. They've started desecrating uh, Jewish cemeteries. Um, we're now seeing more uh, black and black people and people of color being shot by the police. And, um, oh, just... and then look, recently, people, I guess, are... Uh, I, I read online that there has been an upsell in uh, Asian people buying weapons because they've been being, like, harassed because of the virus, as if they haven't lived here just as long as we have. Yeah, it, it, and it's disgusting. And that's the way it is. There was a guy who worked on my job who was saying that people were standing, like, six feet away or sitting, six, excuse me, standing six feet away from him when he sat down on a train. And I'm laughing because these are the same people who <laughs> wearing masks that don't do anything. Oh my god, I know. Those even the Surgeon General of the United States was like, guys, these masks aren't doing anything. You're actually buying too many of them and taking them away from medical providers who need them to perform surgery. But dude, I've saw someone today with one that was like fashion. It was like they bought one that was specifically designed. I saw a post that there was going to be like Louis V and Gucci and Nike. <laughs> uh, it was obviously fake, but I was thinking, I was reading, I was like, yo, if this goes on a little bit longer, someone, at these, this is going to be a thing. If it goes on a little bit longer, I'm pretty sure it's happening right now. Like it, what's, it, what's, the, what's the phrase? Um, a lot of truth is said in jest. I'm pretty sure when um, all these companies saw that people were buying out masks, they were like, Oh hey, we should probably. It's like, how long would it take us to make some prints of masks? It was like, oh, it'll take us an hour, and it'll cost us forty cents a mask, and we'll sell them for fifteen dollars. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And that's essentially what's happening in this story. And so, I don't. Okay, I've read issue twelve, but I don't remember. So essentially, uh, well, I'm not going to jump that far. So basically, uh, we get into the story, and they're on the run, right? So they're on the run. And each uh, people are sending people out to get them. So uh, Marco's people have hired um, bounty hunters, which are called freelancers in the book. Uh, and we meet two of them so far. And you'll meet more uh, as the book goes on. But we meet the Stalk and the Will. Um, and basically the Stalk and the Will were lovers at one point. <laughs> as weird as that. If you read the book, you're going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> Like, why, why are they lovers? But they were lovers. Um, and the stalk had got a jump on the wheel because he was kind of down and 
upset, and he ended up going to Sextillion, uh, which is the planet that Old Man Wade was talking about, which is basically like a pro- it's like a brothel planet. Like the entire planet is a brothel. Um, and so Vegas. No, much worse than Vegas. Vegas. Uh, Imagine Vegas had a baby with um, Sodom and Gomorrah, um, and then they gave birth in um, Trump Tower. <laughs> and basically, this, you, you find out that like everybody has some shit going on with them, right? Um, so the characters that we meet so far, and then we'll kind of go through the different stories with them just so we can kind of have some type of organization. Um, but the characters that we meet is you follow Marco, Elena, and Hazel on their way out, and then they meet Isabel, who is a uh, decapitated ghost. ghost. Um, and then you follow kind of the will with Lion Cat, and uh, later he gets Slave Girl, and we'll explain that. Uh, and Gwendolyn, we'll explain that. Uh, and then you have Prince Robot, who basically there's a whole aristocrat of people who are robot people. So they are, <laughs> they, they're, they're humanoid, but their head is a television. And the screen Yeah, so uh, I see this cosplay at a lot of cons, and I didn't know what it was until I read this book. Yeah, yeah same. And so their head is a, a TV screen, and it basically shows their emotions at the time, right? So whenever something's going on in their head, that'll show up on the screen in some type of form that's like a TV show picture or something like that. And that's how you can tell, like, how they're feeling. Um, and then you'll I have be a question. More, yeah, go ahead. I'm going, is this something that, because maybe I missed something, but is, is this um, something everybody can see, or is this more like for the, uh, for like us? Like, you know what I mean? No, like everybody so- can see that. Okay. Yep, everybody can see it. And they're basically like English. Like if you li- if you watch their dialogue and their thought bubble, I mean in the um in the bubbles, they speak in proper English. They, they speak in like a British accent. Um and it gets more profound as you go along than we saw in the first twelve issues. Uh and everybody's kinda all based on this whole thing of trying to figure out where Marco and Elena are and capturing them. So like all these different players and characters are going to end up interacting at some point just so everybody knows uh for mike and old man wade and also the listeners but at the first 12 issues that that doesn't happen yet so much a little bit but not so much um so let's start with this mike what did you think about um what did you think about marco and elena's relationship and kind of how the book uh explains how why they're together and how it came together and with their background, because they kind of gave you a flashback to how they got together. Yeah, so for me, I, like I said before, it's your classic Romeo and Juliet story, but I've never really been into that. This is like a Romeo and Juliet story for someone like me, right, who likes the space opera genre, who likes that kind of, uh, you know, like <clears throat> sci-fi fantasy thing. Um, so it's it's a retelling it's a it's a cool twist on a on a story that everybody knows, right? But I don't know how this one's going to end. Probably not with the two of them poisoning each other. <laughs> um, so yeah, they meet. Uh, she's the guard, and I guess so. I looked this up because I was confused. I think it's explained more in detail later, but I guess she uh, was like supposed to do something for her planet's government, um, and like refused. So they put her on prison duty, and they knew each other for twelve hours. And they escaped together after, I guess, she found out he was going to go to this pl- this prison that no one comes back from. And so they escaped after 12 hours, and they immediately got married and had a baby. 
Um, but I like the two of them. I think they complement each other well. And I I don't know if, if this is explained later, but are there other hybrids, or is this like the only the first 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 one? Uh, um, no comment. Um, I know. Well, in the first, <laughs> I kind of assume there must there must be, but I know they talked about it in the second trade about how this was something they 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 attempted to do. And it, it was like a product of like rape and stuff like that. And so the more I'm reading into this, it kind of seems like I said, it's very Romeo and Juliet. And what's the phrase Taylor's told is all the time, blah, 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 blah. But like it was told in such a way that you can kind of see where things are going. But even when even when you are you're right about it, it's it's done so well that you're still happy with everything that happened. So the way I'm looking at it now was like the reason this came to be is specifically because they're in love. It's real love. This wasn't a product of like uh, genetic breeding or rape or anything like that. These are two people or two beings that genuinely loved each other. So that's the only reason why they're two. They're those two in general could uh, um, copulate. Is that the right word I'm looking for? Yes. Well, yeah, and I mean, he was in love before. That I think if they talk about it in like nine or, or eight or something with with Gwen Gwen Gwendolyn. So like, it's I don't know. I guess like. I'm assuming it was like a, I don't know if it was like an arranged marriage type thing, but he obviously wasn't happy. They weren't happy with each other. I mean, they go into a little bit of that. So he found somebody that he just connected with better. The 12 hours thing, it, I mean, they didn't really go into it too much, but, you know, I know that we talk about uh, people rushing into marriage in the real world, but I'm just kidding. For the extent of the uh, of the book, I think that they're really good leads for this for this particular story. And it's like, I like I like seeing this take. In, in a genre that I like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, and so, um, the book is by the way, it's narrated by Hazel, um, the daughter. Um, that's who actually narrates the book, and you'll get a lot more Hazel as we go forward. Um, but essentially, she's telling the story from her perspective, so you always got to remember that when, when you're not reading, they'll have panels that are her speaking and they're not like actual dialect. Um, so a lot of what you see is from her perspective, and so it just always remember that that that's from her perspective and not necessarily what's uh, the 100% true. Um, but, yeah, so Hazel uh, is a half-winged person with horns. Uh, she is a half-breed, and she is out there in the world, like um, basically the person that everybody wants to get. Um, and so they are basically find out that it, also oh, I meant to say this. So you uh, can Mar- do magic. Marco's people can do magic. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Marco's people can do magic. And so they're, they each have certain things in the uh, Landers people can fly. But you haven't seen it. But this is a small smaller. So I'll just say it anyway. But Elena's wings don't look like everybody else's wings. And so as you go along, you're going to see, like, more people from her planet. And they have, like, big, sprawling wings that can just fly and all types of shit. And it's a point of contention for her. Um, but they are on their way. They're, they're looking for uh, this tree spaceship so they can get the hell out of uh, the planet that they are and get away from the people chasing them. And so then you kind of meet the, the people that the Marcos people hired to find them. And one of them is... The Will. Old Man Wade, what did you think about the character The Will as a as a bounty hunter and kind of his moral compass that you've seen so far? Well, what's funny about, uh, with a lot of the comic books that we read, well, let's take Deadpool, for example. 
uh, he's a mercenary with a code. Uh, Deathstroke also has his moments where he has a code and things he will or will not do. So it wasn't really surprising. Uh, I will say that um, I'm enjoying the quick, um, that's what I'm looking for, the quick, uh, I guess, progression of his character and personality in such a short amount of time. Because first we, we, he appeared to just be like this merciless killer uh, with the cat, with the lion cat. And then you find out that like he's in love with something that wouldn't be um, looked at as conventional, which could also be considered like, you know, crossbreeding. Uh, so we're like, oh, so he does actually have a heart. Um, and then when he gets to this planet and he sees what's going on with this six-year-old girl, it kind of looked like something uh, Deathstroke would do. You know what I mean? Like when, um, or something like Deadpool would do when he sees, like, I was like, I'm not killing a kid. Like, you know what I mean? I'm not gonna, or the comment when the woman goes, what's the difference between killing a child and then selling them off to, uh, for sex slavery? And, and, that, and as soon as I read that, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? How do you not know the difference? And then he goes, uh, if you don't know the difference, then you're already too far gone. And I was like, my man. So he gets it. Like he's still he's still aware of who he is and what he is. But I like that he has somewhat of a code, even if he's a mercenary, even if he's a uh, a paid killer, or like someone that you know we may call him like an abomination. I like that he has that he has a code. I like that we can see that he will be growing as a character. But I also kind of look at him and go, he's gonna do something really horrible, really soon, because it can't be all sunshine and whistles with him. There's got to something has to happen, I think, in the next trade that's gonna, like, kind of go. Oh yeah, I forgot he's still him. And even the the instance when he flew in his space to go get his cat, I was like, oh, it's not just his partner. It's like someone he can't. It's something that he cares about. So he's a lot more caring and emotional than we would think like a normal mercenary would be. Yes, and he also is going through some shit. Like you can tell. Like there's some like that's why he went to Sextillion. He's supposed to be on this mission to get this biggest score of his, you know, his career. And he's kind of like, yeah, I kind of get there when I get there. Um, and then you briefly meet the stalk who was his girlfriend for a while, and they kind of broke up for some reason. And like Old Man Wade said, when you see this character, like how it was drawn, it is a mind fuck. It's so just to try to describe it, it's a. Spider. It's a giant spider with the top of it that's kind of humanoid, but it has no shirt on, and it has no arms and eight eyes, but it has titties and, like, a spider mouth and then eight spider legs at the bottom. It's fucking creepy as shit. (laughs) Um, Also, I've seen cosplays of that. Oh, the stalk? You've seen that? Yeah, but most people just don't do the legs. They do everything else. They wear, like, a dress. I don't ever want to see that. <laughs> I don't ever want to see that in person. Uh, I'm, like, there, if there's one thing that freaks me out, it's, uh, it's giant spiders. I'm, I'm all set, man. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, so it's, uh, it's done. It's in, so the stalk is kind of like this root. Like, you'll see more of the stalk. Oh, shit. Uh, I just spoiled something. Whatever. Uh, well, anyway, you'll see more of the stalk going forward, um, even though she's dead. So in these issues, you find that she gets killed by a prince robot. Uh, but actually, no, let's not spoil it because they showed that in, this, in these first 12 issues. So there's a scene where um, the Will is having, like, this dream that he met up with the stalk, and they both took down the people. Um, he continues to have these visions of her going forward. 
Um, and they get more and more disturbing as you go forward. Um, but she's basically this just, like, straightforward fucking killer. She doesn't have the the mental, uh, the moral um, pushbacks that the Will has. Uh, but in other ways, she is a more effective freelancer than he is. Um, and so... But she's got a ton of arms and a lot of weapons. Yeah, so she shows up to get them and... Uh, they end up getting away, and then Prince Robot shows up with his crew, and it, he basically, this is another allegory for, like, um, it was kind of like there's some police brutality shit. Prince Robot shows up, and the guy's like, he's, he's grabbing a gun, and he just blasts the hole through her chest. Yeah, like, if, if anyone, again, like, going back to the things that we see today, like, that's something, like, like he's like no, she was like using her phone or egg thing or whatever it was, and again it was disgusting because like that's something you'll see today. How often have we seen it in the news where it's like a uh, man went to go grab ID, get shot. Man goes to grab phone, get shot. Like you know what I mean? Take your hands out your out your pocket, get shot. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. it's stuff we see every day. And like I said earlier, it hits it hits harder now because these are things that I'm that we're seeing every single day like you can go on twitter right now and see what's trending and go oh hey look at that that's something that happened in the first 12 issues of saga yep yep, yep. and uh so th- i don't want to talk too much about the star because you don't see much of her now but uh that's kind of who she is and she gets killed by prince robot prince robot is very interesting because his story at least what we see in his first 12 issues essentially he is the prince of the leader of the robot kingdom um, and he's he was a war hero, a quote unquote war hero. He was in this place that was like one of the top, hell. Yeah, they call it hell. It was like a big ass battlefield where a bunch of people died. He just got back from there. He was ready to start a family, and they call him up and was like, "Hey, man, you need to go out and get this. You need to stop these uh, Marco and Elena." And so, if you notice, everybody in power is so bent on stopping Marco and Elena. And it's because it ruins the it ruins the myth. Like it ruins the myth. And it they they make way too much money, they make way too much shit off of this war that nobody wants to seem to care about and they don't want this. And so you find out that uh Prince Robot he ends up showing up, he kills the stalk, and then he ends up uh we we didn't talk about this, but there's this book uh that Elena and Marco live by. It's their favorite book. Uh, and it's by D. Oswald, I forget his name. And so it's this one-eyed Cyclops dude. <laughs> All the characters are crazy as fuck in this book. And I, I don't remember. Um, Do they tell you what the book is about in issue 12? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, so I don't want to ruin it. Okay. But the book, the, the purpose of this book and what it is written, and the book is is essential to this story um it is they, uh, yeah, yeah they when they were talking about the author and all they uh they kind of hinted towards it and i think you uh, like there was still a back and forth between the robot guy and the author and they were kind of going back and forth on what it was the author was denying uh what he felt like it was yes yeah, so and the robot suppressed robot gets a hand in the book from one of elena's old soldier compadres comrades and um, he basically, there's a little bit of a time jump, but next thing you know, he's at the author's house. And the reason why he's at the author's house, I'm not going to give you the exact reasons, but it's because this book is essential to almost everything that's going on in this in this um, 
in this story. It's it's just it's the core of it. But uh, at the end of the the last issue of the what we're reviewing today, you find out that Prince Robot shows up at this author's house and is interrogating them, stabbing them, trying to get information out of them. And the whole time, Marco and Elena and Hazel are there, hiding. Uh, and that's where you kind of end on this. And so the other thing about this story that I'll tell you is every story arc ends with a cliffhanger. And while we can continue to read now, when I was reading this shit and the fucking shit would be on a cliffhanger, it was the most frustrating thing in the world because it gets so incredible as you keep reading. Um, but, yeah, so uh, we find out. Oh, in the meantime, uh, Marco and Elena get to the spaceship. And he had to sacrifice something to get on the spaceship, so he leaves his weapon behind. And so one of the things that Marco did was he made a pledge that he wasn't going to be violent anymore. And you see why. Did y'all see the scene where he went off on those people and was about to just fucking slice them up? Yeah. Marco <laughs> has a problem, <laughs> to put it lightly. He has a violence problem, and he knows he has a violence problem, and he's committed to stop doing that. But a, a okay. running theme in his book is that he always gets called back to it. Does he have a... Does he have a violence problem, or does he have a problem with stopping once he committed violence against someone who's actually uh, been violent to him? Because honest to Odin, I kind of felt him on that. It was like, you shot my, you shot my wife. Like, you know what I mean? You could have killed my kid. <laughs> there wouldn't have been any posturing after the dude. I cut, cut the dude's head off, that on arm, his hand off. I wouldn't have said, I'm gonna cut your head off now. I'm just gonna cut your fucking head off. But I loved the way his wife, like, flat out shot him. And he looked up and kind of got to his senses and was like, this is why I love you. I'm like, that was me. Yes. And uh, he, so, uh, yeah, so Marco has a violence problem. He sacrifices his sword. um, And he gets on, they get on the spaceship that's a rocket ship. And the rocket ship is kind of um, intuitive. It's It's like a tree, and it can kind of, it kind of aligns itself if it likes you. And so the rocket ship was kind of formed a partnership with Elena already. And so um, Elena and uh, Marcos and Hazel and Isabel are on this rocket ship, and the rocket ship just takes them somewhere. And the next thing you know, Marco's parents show up. And, the, and Marco's dad is dying, which he hasn't told his family yet, but he's kind of like, because he's dying, he's kind of looking back on his life and just like, I'm not going to be that dude anymore. But Marco's mom is, is one of those. <laughs> is one of those parents. She's hardcore yeah. as fuck, and she's not here for Marco being with, um, <laughs> with Elena. She is not here for that at all. And um, they end up having to go somewhere because when she when they showed up. They shot fucking Isabel, who's supposed to be Elena's girl. Oh, that's right. Isabel had to do a blood oath, essentially, to uh, bond souls with Hazel, an innocent soul. So that'll so that comes into part as we keep going along. But um, she gets on there and they blast her. They just blast her and they banish her to some some spot. And so what Marco goes after is like, yo, we got to get our babysitter back. And her mom goes with him. And they basically start talking about, like, you know, all the shit that's happened since Marco was left. And they're having this real heart-to-heart. And while Meanwhile, back on the ship, Elena and uh, Marco's dad initially aren't getting to, uh, getting um, along. 
And eventually she's like, he's like, yeah, dog, I'm about to die. And they kind of start to form a bit of a relationship. And it's really interesting to see because it shows that, look, if these people just talk to each other, they have, you know, you know what they always say in politics, that we have more in common than what divides us. That's actually what the book is trying to say in some of these issues. Um, but you got to give people the chance to do that. And, you know, they're not, they're not, they weren't doing that. Um, what do you, what do you think about, uh, oh man, wait, what'd you think about Marcus's parents? Um, I thought it was kind of cool that they made the, um, the man in the relationship, the male in the relationship more of the, uh, I guess, I guess softer, get a softer touch. I thought that was kind of cool. Like, and I thought that making the woman the, the aggressive one kind of makes sense because if you look in most, in most, um, species, the woman is usually the most aggressive, the most protect, uh, um, protectful or guarded of their uh, family. So it made sense. But I like the fact that she took no shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she came in wielding an axe, and I was like, yeah, baby. Like, I, I loved it. I loved everything about it. But I also liked that uh, Marco was a combination of the both of them. Like, his pacifist side, you can see that comes from his father. Like, you know, his father's side. But, like, that really angry, bloodthirsty side that we've seen when he does get um, into that mode, it comes from his mother. So I like, you can see where his personalities come from where and like why he is the way he is and why he has to be so restrained. Um, and I, I like what they did with, uh, without spoiling too much, when, um, I, forget, I forget Marcos's wife, his wife's name. Uh, is it Elena? Elena, yes. So I love the, the time that Elena and Barr had together. You know what I mean? Like, despite everything that he was going through and um, her, uh, physically and uh, all the apprehension she may have had uh, with the way they interacted immediately and them finding some common ground. And even, I would even say loving each other as like, you know, uh, father-in-law and son, uh, father and daughter-in-law. I loved it. Like, you know what I mean? They didn't have a lot of time, but you could tell, like, in that short time span, they really loved each other. I thought that was a a really important part of her growth, you know what I mean? Because she still, I'm pretty sure she still has some um, animosity and hatred towards uh, the people with horns, you know what I mean? So, but, you know, granted her husband and the father of a child has horns, but it, that's one person. And we all know, like, if, you, if you're raised a certain way and, like, you're kind of born and bred to hate somebody, one person isn't going to make a difference, especially when the first person outside of the race you meet is someone trying to, you know, essentially looks like they're trying to harm you and harm your child. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they went in, the fact that the, um, uh, the writer gave us this really soft moment and he created something for um, Alana or Elena to protect herself so that um, his granddaughter can have a mother the rest of her life. I thought it was beautiful. Mike, what did you think? Of the parents? I agree with uh, with what he said, and I think the mom represents a lot of, like, the type of old-fashioned parents we get today, too, like, with people from different cultures or religions that want to, you know, get together and they're difficult. Um it reminded me of the movie Monster-in-Law, which I only know that because my dad loves it. 
but <laughs> but I mean uh, the dad I, I I appreciated that the dad and the and Elena wanted to have a you know began to have like that connection and and I'm hoping that the mom kind of like comes around a little bit more um and I feel like I don't know I've been getting real like sketchy vibes like towards the end of the second uh arc so I don't know I mean I'm curious to see what happens and I kind of hope she kind of trusts and goes with her son and and, and and the new wife and just kind of helps them because I feel like this would be a good way to show the rest of the two races that like this is a this relationship is possible and can happen but I think the governments don't care because they want the troop morale to be unaffected you know so they can keep profiting off of war and I guess racism well you'll see a lot more of her mom going forward I'll spoil that um, and it gets very 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 interesting um Uh, what happens with her mom going forward but um yeah and, and i think she's like that because her i guess marcus's grand grandma got murdered by the land the landfall people yep mm-hmm. uh and so yeah the, the trauma runs deep uh on this in on both of these families um i'm sorry i had some oh. in there. good that might uh, I what was I gonna say? Oh, never mind. The different character. I wanted to say something about the the slave girl, but we're not go there ahead, yet. No, go ahead. Go ahead. About the slave girl. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so I was reading this trivia thing by Brian Vaughn. I saw I was like looking through his Twitter, and uh, he said two things of note that I thought were interesting. One is he said that uh, Clara was the easiest of all the characters to write, and two, the slave girl is supposed to be like a like a jab at princess leia and he was like i wanted to tell people that there are people struggling uh like not every slave is like this gorgeous girl in a bikini like princess leia like there's actual people out there struggling and they all don't look like her and this is like a real issue and so that's why he created the the slave girl character the way that he did oh i didn't know that that's cool there's like an actual quote i can look it up uh he said, stated that Sylvie was created to illustrate the horrific effects of war and as a critique of the sexualized portrayal of Princess Leia as Jabba the Hutt's slave in the film Star Wars Return of the Jedi, explaining that's that character at her least sexy. There are slave girls in the world and they don't look like Princess Leia in a bikini. So I thought that was really cool. Because I like never even thought about anything like that until I read that like little bit of trivia. I was talking to, I was recording today with... Um my friend um, Amanda, and we were, um, she was um, discussing, um, we were discussing International Women's Day, and one of her friends brought up a great point about how there are women out there who can't celebrate this day because they're just not allowed to. In some countries, it's like, you know, you're not even supposed to acknowledge that you're a powerful woman or even a woman at all. So the fact that, the fact that um, he did this, I think, was 100% true. And um, for anybody in, like, uh, Garth Ennis did this with a book called The Slavers, with a, punish, uh, by the, well, a Punisher book called The Slavers. And I remember uh, him writing The Punisher thinking that he had never been this angry before. And I honestly and I understand that because I don't, there is nothing in this world I think that's more disgusting than like sex trafficking. You know what I mean? Because if there is, as he put, there, it isn't just an adult woman 
we know that there are a lot of races and countries out there. See, not only race, we know that there are a lot of disgusting monsters out there that prey on women and little girls that young. So him showing this dark and deplorable side of the world, um, it, it's, it must be tough to you know even write something like that, especially when you know... Well, and I appreciate that, because like, it, it's probably not easy to write a character like that, regardless of age or gender. So like, he, he, he picked a version of, of this type of character that is probably one of the hardest to write. Like, it's uh, uncomfortable to writer and readers alike. Like, it makes you feel something. Like, anytime a piece of media or a book or anything can get you to feel like a certain way that's like pretty powerful and it's like seeing like a six-year-old girl like as a sex slave on this planet it's just like with the pimp like it's just it doesn't you know it's a tough that's a tough thing to do like and it's i just appreciate that he that's why like when, when i say the thing about the mature theme at the beginning it's like it doesn't always have to be like blood and gore and like deadpool style you know rated r like violence it could be like like they, you would never see a six-year-old slave girl, sex slave girl, in like a superhero book, just because like it's an uncomfortable story to tell. You got kids reading it, but I appreciate that he took that, like that he went that route and took that step because like it is like something people should be thinking about, but might not always be thinking about because of the level of discomfort it could cause. Yeah, uh, you hit the nail on the head, man. I, I, I couldn't have said it better, man. Yeah, and this. Oh, by the way, this book is very dark. Okay, so the first 12 issues, not so much. It gets really dark at some points in this book. and um, But it, it all has a larger meaning to why they're doing these types of things. Um, but, yeah, so Slave Girl's now with the will. And so one of the things you find out is that when Marcos was knocked out or something, he started talking about the person he was his bride or his fiance, And you, and you find out that he was supposed to be married to this woman named Gwendolyn. Um, and so you kind of hear that, and you find out that like he had this ring that he gave to Elena that was Gwendolyn's ring, um, which is that's kind of fucked up. <laughs> um, but you later find out that Gwendolyn is one of the people that's trying to hire, that's hiring the freelancers to find Marcos. And the Will's like, so she rolls up on the Will, and she, he's like, uh, it's more to this than you just wanting to get him back for the people. She's like, no, no, it's not. And Lion Cat was like, you a lying ass bitch, basically. Um, and so she was like, all right, listen, yeah, we used to, we were together, and I, I need to get, I need to get, like, I gotta get this dude, I gotta get him. And so she is hell bent on finding Marcos to the point that they 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 find out that the slave girl kind of has this power where she can tell where they were, and so they go towards them, and then. Uh, no, she has, she has that like tacto psych psychosis thing where when she touches an object, she can see like information and foresight about it. Yeah, and so one of the other things about this book is there's a ton of weird fucking creatures and things like, who, like the the brain in these people to make this shit is ridiculous because you would never think of this shit. And so one of the things that you found was when Marcos and his mom went to get Isabel that they were inside of an egg that was about to hatch, not a planet. And the egg that was hatching is some type of time thing that can just fuck up everything near it. Uh, and so Mark, so uh, the Will and Gwendolyn were going to get Marcus, they were right there, 
And then they saw this big time thing, and Will was like, oh, fuck this. I'm not going near that. And Gwendolyn was like, go. You better fucking go. Like, she's so hell-bent on getting to Marcos. Like, she is so hurt from what Marcos did to her that she's just like, fuck this shit. I don't care. I'm going after it. Um, did you did you, did you? you kind of, were you interested in that character at all, um, Old Man Wade, or did you kind of just think it was a throwaway character that you'd never see with Gwendolyn? Uh, no, I knew we were going to see her. There's no way we did. Um, there's no way we weren't going to see her. I didn't think we were going to see her so soon. That was for damn sure. It kind of reminded me of um, the Star Wars comic book where we find out who um, Han Solo's married to. Mm-hmm. It kind of had the same kind of like feel to it. And uh, it was funny. I was taking notes uh, while it's going on, while I was reading the um, book to make sure that I could remember certain things. And uh, when Gwendolyn popped up, I said, oh, shit. Marco like the dark meat, son. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but all jokes aside, um, it was it was. I kind of like that we saw her a little a little earlier, because sometimes you wait so long to see this uh, character who's only who's only um, known by name, and then when when you get the reveal, you're kind of like, oh, really? That was it? You know what I mean? So seeing her right when she's fresh in our minds, I thought was a nice touch. And one of the things that you'll notice is uh, Hazel narrating this. You should pay attention to what she says because a lot of the shit that she says comes back up in later issues. So when she'll say something like, uh, Dad once said that breakups are like battles. They usually involve collateral damage. Like something's going to come up with that. Or when she says, like, I spent most of my time and most of it was good until it wasn't. Like, you'll see when it wasn't, like when it went bad. Um, So... Like, all these things that she's saying are things that, like, actually come to pass as you keep reading this book. And the foreshadowing, it's like when Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona came up to storyboard this event, it's, like, very clear that they had um, a plan. And they had a plan, and they stuck to that plan. And unlike any other book that I've read, and you guys will see this as you keep going on, there's no lulls in this book, meaning like every issue is high quality. Some of them are further, some of them don't have the WTF moments that others do, but they all push the story forward and there are no bad issues. Like I've read these book multiple times. There are zero bad issues when you read this whole thing. And um, you can tell that they, they had an idea of what they wanted to do now. Were they on drugs when they created this book? I'm willing to, I would put some money on it because some of the shit is outrageous. Like, did, Mike, did you see the the big giant dude with the huge nutsack that they were fighting? Yeah, I mean, think about it. Alan Moore was on drugs every time he wrote a book, and it's weirder than some of his shit. So, I mean, by, by the transitive property, that means everyone was on drugs when this book was made. Think about it. You got a green cat with a silver metal back that can tell you when it's lying. Not even that. It, the spider. Like, that's enough to, to, to convince me. You got a... You got a... Two things, the two things in Sextalian. That shit is oh, fucked. With the legs, with the head on it? Oh, God. They don't have... They don't have, like... <laughs> Torsos. Dog, it's so... It's like it's like a bastard of Modoc. You <laughs> You got you got robot men with TV heads. You got cyclopses. You got guys with horns. Guys with horns and a woman with wings are the most normal things in this book. 
you have um um uh uh, uh um God damn it! What was the thing that I was gonna? The other thing that we saw so far. Um, oh, you got planets that are eggs. You got oh, you have a ghost that body is <laughs> destroyed and her guts are just showing out of the bottom while she floats around. It's so weird. Like you just see her intestines and everything. And at some point, I don't want to spoil this, but I just I think at some point they go like. Why don't you just put the rest of your body? You're a ghost now. Can't you just make it look like the rest of your body's there? Like, why are you walking around like this? Like, floating around like this? Uh, you know what's, yeah. you know what's funny about that is? is and I'm glad you brought that up. Because, like, you know how, they, how you say every, every issue was good? There was a moment in there when I realized that if you are not into uh, political commentary or stories that speak about realism... This is not the story for you. When we got to that part with all the souls and stuff like that, and they started talking, and they didn't call themselves like natives of the planet. They called themselves indigenous children, indigenous teenagers. And it was just like, oh my God, they're really going there with like how the indigenous people are in like, not even just this country, in like in the Caribbean and everywhere else, which is slaughtered. And you say that, and the first thing that pops in my mind is I hope they, I hope she goes, oh, because I don't want people to forget what happened to my, what happened to me and my people, like you know what I mean. And then when she was like, oh, what happened to your little half of your body, and she goes, oh, I stepped on a landmine that wasn't meant for me, but I don't know who it was meant for. I was like, fuck, like that was deep, man. And if you say these books aren't, uh, if they get better each issue, or there aren't any bad issues then this is going to be a hell of a ride because a good writer doesn't need these what-the-fuck moments every issue. A good writer or a phenomenal writer will just be able to tell a story and keep you engaged because there were certain parts where there was nothing going on. Like, let's take the first... Uh, let's take part of the first issue, for example, where the... Uh, no, excuse me, let's go to the very last issue uh, that we where we're covering, issue 12 where the writer is talking to the robot. And he asks him, oh, what battle did your son die in? And he goes, he didn't die in battle, he hung himself. And then he calls him a coward, and then he gets into, do you know how many people kill themselves after these wars and getting into all the stuff? And it was so, and it's, again, it's just so well written. And the artwork, is just, it just brings it out to life. And it makes you feel all these emotions that you're not expecting to feel going into a comic book or just reading in general. And then when it hits you with the cliffhanger at the end of that, you're like, holy shit, this keeps getting better. And, the, <laughs> and I'm not going to be shocked if that robot's uh, kid isn't his kid. Oh, the robot's kid. Oh. I, I, I'm on to bet money that that's not his kid. And so, yeah, so, yeah, this book is very, it's very political, and it's, it really shines a light on things that, you know, we take for granted, and things that people don't particularly care about or pay attention to, or um, all of that, because, you know, the world is fucked up, and what Saga does is it shines a light on the world being fucked up, and then it shines a light on you, so you realize your world is fucked up too because we live in a world where we you know we complain about certain things but there's so many things that we don't even think about that are going on that are just fucking with people 
And what this does is it shows you that like all these different people have so much stuff going on. And the one thing that this book does is it fleshes out its characters. You've only read 12 issues, and we've met six, probably six or seven main characters, and you kind of have an idea about all of them. Uh, you kind of have an idea about all of them and what they're about. Now, you'll learn more. Some of these things will change as you go over time. I can tell you that right now. But none of these characters are just there for fodder. Like, you get it, and you're going to meet more characters. You're going to meet these reporters, and you're going to meet all this other stuff going forward that's like, what the hell is going on? It becomes a whole uh, Bonnie and Clyde type thing going forward that is um, ridiculous. Uh, and, and the characters are very, very important. Uh, and they all have a purpose. And when a character dies, like we met the stalk with two issues, probably two issues she was in when she gets killed you're like damn she died already but you knew something about the character like it wasn't just an off character that got killed in three issues like you knew something about the character you're like this character was in love with the, the will they clearly have something going on together um she's also a mercenary and she knew something because remember right before she got killed she was like i got a lead on our people right so she knew yeah. something that the rest of them didn't know like that nobody else knew and you want to know like what that is you want to figure out what was that what why what did she know um and that's and that's what this book does right the, the book seeds things things that you saw in the first two issues are you going to see in issue 12 and issue 20 and issue 30 and issue 40 and issue 50 like they all are going to come back to roost and the reason why is because these, these writers are good. My favorite writer of all time is Jonathan Hickman. And this board is, this, um, Brian K. Vaughn is very similar to that in to the sense that he has a larger plan and you can tell that he large, has a larger plan. When you read Hickman's Fantastic Four, you're, you're not just reading a Fantastic Four story, but when you read Hickman's Fantastic Four and then you read Future Foundation and then you read New Avengers and Avengers and then you read Secret Wars, you go, he was setting this shit back up six years ago. Like, it's a larger point to what he's doing. He even mentioned New Avengers. Yeah, New Avengers and Avengers, yeah. New Avengers and Avengers and the Secret Wars, too. Um, that they It was set up all the way back into the Fantastic Four run. And that's kind of what Brian K. Vaughn does in this book. A lot of the things that you're seeing are building the world, right? He takes a few issues to build the world out. He tells you what's going on in this world, why these people are at war, why they don't like each other. You tell them why. He explains to you that these people are wanted, why they're wanted, that their relationship is unique. Then he tells you that they have all these different groups of people out in this world. You got robot aristocrats. You got mercenaries. And you got all these soldiers and people at war. And you got all the people who are basically collateral damage that are suffering from this war. And he's building this world out so that he can break it down as you go forward. So you can learn the different parts and understand it. And it's it's really, really brilliant. And so, um, it, let me see. We've been talking for almost an hour. Time went by kind of fast. Um, Mike, anything yeah, else that you took notes on that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to or that you wanted to bring up? No, I, I said my two comments from the uh, the writer. That's what I, would, I wanted. Those are my trivia facts. Old Man Wade, anything else you got? All right, I'll just go run down my list. The stock is a thing of nightmares. 
the horrors of the indigenous people, which we spoke on. Uh, super happy when the bounty hunter killed the groomer in that brothel. That made me oh, so. Yes, yes, we didn't talk about that. So yeah, so basically they weren't gonna. The will was like, "Fuck this, I'm not doing this." And he was like, "I'm taking slave girl, and like I'm, you know, I'm getting, you know, getting her out of here." And basically, like the person comes up and is just like, "No, nah, she's not going anywhere. Like you're gonna have to buy her, or she's staying here." And they and they Gwendolyn does this trick to like get him outside of the area so they can take the potion off of her, and uh, they end up killing her. They, he was, huh? The, the sickness of what that potion does, mm-hmm. it's it's nasty, man. Like, and part of me was like, dude, just just kill her and spare her life, man. Because being raped at six years old, you never come back from that. And the slave girl is a very important character going forward uh, in this book as well because she has an arc. Like, I'm not spoiling anything because we're going to get to this. And oh, by the way, next time, like, we're going to have sometimes it'll just be me, old man, and Mike, old man, Wade, and Mike, and Charmaine wants to get in on one of these. I think we're going to try to get Devin on some. So we're going to try to get some different people in because I want to expose as many people as possible to this book. Um, but like, slave girl's character gets fleshed out. Gwendolyn's character gets fleshed out. The will gets completely fleshed out. Um, you hear, you get a lot more about Marcos's backstory, a lot more about Elena's backstory. Um, like er, Prince Robot, you find out what's going on with him and his people, and what the fuck's going on with them. You meet, you're gonna meet these two reporters who are basically telling the story of Elena and Marcos, and they're, and then it's not, they're not just there to tell the story. They have a whole story arc. And what's going on with them? You're gonna meet these other little characters that are just random. You kind of oh no, you saw them at the end. So at the under issue twelve, you saw like a like a um uh oh, what is that walrus? Like a walrus and like a little hairy little thing. Man, I don't know what that thing was. They have <laughs> they have th- their story gets fleshed out. Like they have roles in the story. Like the ability to tell stories with all these characters and none of it seems jumbled or forced. Like. As you read, you're going to see that like all these people have points um, in them. Uh, but yeah, go ahead. Finish your list, old man Wade. Uh, we also have da, 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 uh, fanta- uh, as a fan of romantic comedies, this is an amazing story. Um, and lastly, I swear to Odin, Netflix better not pick this up and turn it into some bullshit lock and key. I'm still pissed off at what they do with my, my one of my favorite books. <laughs> That was the thing. So there's been rumors that this was in development for a series for a long time. But, you know, same thing with The Wicked and Divine. And I haven't seen either of them come out, so I don't know what's happening with that. Actually, let me look really quick. Uh, saga. Comedy. Let me, man, uh, have you read Lock and Key? No, I have not. Is that good, too? Oh, my God. Um, Lock and Key, uh, they get in, get out. It tells a really good story. The writer is amazing. The artwork fits the tone of the book, the characters evolve. It's super dark in a sense. It's not as dark as Saga in a sense, but it's a lot like, you know, like the sexual abuse and stuff like that. But the, the things that go on, you're kind of like, well, that's kind of fucked. Um, and I think it's only six issues. And I know the first five are on uh, Comixology to borrow, and the last one you have to purchase, which isn't a big deal. But for the most part, Lock and Key is one of the, I, thought, I would put that in like my top 10 books that I've read, and when I saw the preview for Lock and Key for Netflix, I said, oh, God, please don't tell me you've got to turn this into, like, 
uh, Harry Potter or some shit. And sure enough, that book was the the show was way more Harry Potter than it was like uh, fantastic horror. That the fantastic horror movie that it should have been. This should have been a show that was adapted for Amazon Prime and done like The Boys, as opposed to taken by Netflix and then turned into a combination of uh, a J.K. Rawlings and C.W. show. <laughs> okay, so I'll look into Lock and Key because we met Old Man. We were talking. And I was like, I want to get back to do. I need to get back to reading. And so a good way to read some things that are in the past instead of just reading current stuff is to do this. So the first one I wanted to do is to go through all the volumes of Saga. And then he told me we should do Invisibles. So after we do Saga, we will do Invisibles. And we'll just keep doing books like this. And a lot of them, honestly, I want to do a lot of image books and stuff like that because those are books that people don't know too much about, you know. People don't read them a lot. People are, they're not as popular as other books. But when they get popular, they blow up. Right, like The Walking Dead, The Wicked and Divine Saga, those books when they get popular, they get really popular. But you kind of gotta, you kind of gotta have somebody tell you about them because you're not just gonna know to go out and buy Saga. Like, you know, Image releases a ton of number ones every week. How do you know which one is good and which one you want to read and whatever? Like, you, it's kind of gotta be word of mouth, right? So yeah, I agree. yeah, keep right, going. They don't have the star power that like. Marvel and DC have where they can shell out like, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to promote something. And then when I found out that uh, one of the reasons Rock, uh, there was a year where Rocket Raccoon was the number one selling comic book. And then I found out, it might even have been from you, that one of the reasons it was the number one selling comic book is because they were giving it away in like loot crate and things like that. And those count as purchases. So, you know what I mean? When you have the, the money to do that, you can just give out free shit. You know what I mean? But you get a you get um you get something like Saga, which I picked up like almost like instant. Uh, people gravitated to it almost instantly. Uh, Divine and Wicked, which I'm loving. I'm on book th- I'm on book four now, I think. Um, and you get something like Lock and Key, or uh, I know Invincibles is supposed to be coming to Amazon, I believe. Or like The Boys, and you get these uh, these comic books that you know a lot of people don't know. But like you said, once people grab hold of it and they find out what it is. Word of mouth spreads with uh, Twitter when people go. So, like, me, like, uh, like, let's say me and you didn't know each other, but, like, on Twitter, let's say you search, like, you know, uh, the boys. It's like, oh, this dude, old man, Wade calm, likes the boys, and he's not some random fanboy who enjoys it. And then we start conversing, and then that gets into three people, and three people turns into five, and so on and so forth. So it's, I kind of like the, I kind of like the idea of these comic books not really being known to the masses because what you what you get is you get a uh, almost a cult following of people who are really into it and then when you get the right people who will um like Seth Rogen with the boys and I know I've brought this up fairly often speaking with you when you get someone who's passionate about their projects you get you get a TV show or you get a movie that's like stays true to the uh creator's source material mm-hmm. Uh, anything else on your list? Negatory, sir. Uh, Mike, you good? All good here. All right. So, yeah, like I said, we will be back to review the next 12 issues sometime soon whenever uh, everybody is free. Uh, we'll be back to do that hopefully in the next couple of weeks or sooner. 
Um, it's up to Old Man Wade and Mike, but I'm definitely down to do it because I just want to keep reading because I forgot how much I love this book. Um, but remember, like, go out and support independent comics. Go out and try out new books. Try out new stuff um, because, you know, you never know when you're going to find a gem. You never know when you're going to find something that, that you love or something that you weren't expecting, right? Because this book is the unexpected. It's it's not what you thought it was. It's it stands out. It's very different, and it's something that is quite frankly not something that you see uh, oftentimes in comics, right? And it tells us it tells many many different stories, and it caught on, and. Everything doesn't need to be superhero books. One of the reasons why I wanted Mike to read this most mostly is because he reads mostly superhero books. And I wanted him to get a chance to experience something that's not in that genre. Comic books can come in many ways. There's mystery comics. There's Western comics. There's political comics. There's a combination like saga. Like Everything is not based on the superhero genre. And just because it's not doesn't mean that it's not good, right? So... um this book is a sign of that and if you give things like this a chance and support them image will make more of them part of the reason why image books come out so sparsely is because they don't get the sales they don't have the backing they don't have the they don't have the money to just say we're going to make 50 issues like dc can come out and say i'm going to give something 50 issues and they will get 50 issues if they wanted to same thing with marvel image can't do that right so if you want to issue image book to get to 50 issues or get to 100 issues, you got to go out there and support it, and you got to try something new. And um, hopefully, if we keep doing these in different image books, uh, some of you will be uh, interested in going to try something new. Um, I recently read a book from Image uh, that was about um, called Stump. It's basically if uh, politicians didn't get voted in to office they had to fight each other in a ufc style fight and then whoever won <laughs> got their law passed that's absurd but it's also very interesting because there's more to it than that but that's what gets you in there right the boys it's not an image book but the boys is a book that's not uh from one of the big two like go read some of these things um so the last thing i'll do is before we get out of here i know mike hasn't been reading much needs to catch up but old man wait tell the people, some of the things you've been reading or some of the things uh, that's on your list to read coming up? Uh, you already brought up the uh, that book, that book in particular that I downloaded. I haven't actually read it yet. On the Stump. I got through the first few pages in, um, after I finished um, Saga. Um, what have I been reading like new? Uh, I'm, I'm going I'm to keep the theme going and try to stay away from things that aren't like the big two. Uh, Deadly Class. I may have talked about it before, but Deadly Class is amazing. Uh, it's written by, if I'm not mistaken, it's written by the same person who did The Walking, not the, yeah, The Walking Dead. Um, sorry, I'm looking for the actual name of the of the uh, writer. Uh, nope, I'm sorry. This is uh, Rick Roman. No, no, Robert Kirkman. Robert Kirkman did this, uh, and it's it's an amazing book. The TV show was, uh, unfortunately, pretty bad. Um, but you can't really do a TV show like this when it's based in the 80s and people aren't politically correct in the 80s and they're doing coke and taking acid and stuff like that. You can't really do a show like that. Uh, but it's about um, high school kids who are um, – what's the one looking for? They're uh, 
their parents were either assassins, dirty cops, Yakuza, mafia, and they sent them to the school to become killers. They learned the art of uh, poison, assassination, and all sorts of like um, martial arts, so they can become, so they can take over their uh, parents' uh, family business. So that's a really cool one. I've actually started, like I said, Saga. I'm going to be heavy into now. I wish I would have thought about some of the older stuff that I've been reading because I've been kind of doing like you, man. I'm kind of getting away from the, uh, some of the things that like are just strictly Marvel and DC. Because it's kind of cool to, when you start finding these like hidden gems that like you know you normally wouldn't get into. But if you want something really really good, try Mark Millar's uh, Wanted. Also, they're doing Mark Millar's universe type thing on Netflix. Uh, they ru- they ruined Wanted like the movie did. I may have to like find someone and like kick him in the nuts. <laughs> so yeah, the Mark Millar. I think what was that book? Uh, Umbrella Academy. Isn't that what it's called? Yeah, uh, they have a, that Netflix show. I didn't really like it. Yeah. A lot of people did, though. It's, it was a, okay. it's a whole universe, though, he built in the comics that they're making into TV shows on there. So Yeah, I'm really crazy about it either. It was okay at best, I thought. All right, so thank you all for listening to our saga uh, review. Of oh, can I, Go ahead. can I roll something real quick? Yeah, I was about to throw to you. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, Ooh, perfect. Go no, go ahead and do it. So, me and Javi got oldmanwade.com back and running. Uh, and Super Woke Javi has started something called Know Your Geek. It's it's a uh, first we write articles on a specific uh, geeky genre. And then we take 30 minutes and we talk about that genre on top of the article. So, you get 500 words on the topic from us in an article. And on top of the article, you'll get the, uh, the place where you can listen to more um discussion on it so like me and super woke well some, so first super woke and his wife they discussed uh stargates and hot not hobbies a science nerd on top of um, known political science he breaks down like the science of a stargate he starts talking about the movie and the show and all this other stuff but he also wrote an article on it uh i recently did one know your geek on wolverine's memory and the daniel way run and how he explained how Professor Xavier actually is one of the is uh, the reason that Wolverine didn't have his memory when he got to the X Men. So that's the whole thing. So oldmanwade.com is up and running. We're doing this thing called Know Your Geek. It's thirty minutes audio, five hundred words in an article, and it's something we're going to be doing now. Superwork has one coming up on the Mandalorians. He wants to do one on uh, Captain Picard. I have one coming up on Multiple Man's Duplicates. Um, and I was actually going to bring it up to either one of you guys if you wanted to do a uh, a guest writer and do like 500 words on a specific like geek that you wanted to do. And if it's two of you wanted to do like 30 minutes on that particular topic, you're more than welcome to, man. Just hit me up and we can um, discuss things from there because we're looking for a lot of um, guest writers. And uh, for this Know Your Geek, I'm going to talk to Harvey, see if he wants to do some people just kind of like do like guest spots. So they can talk about their geekdom and maybe promote the things that they're doing as well, whether it be a website, uh, their Twitter, their Instagram, or their podcast. Yeah, that sounds Peace. awesome. Um, so what else? What else you got going on too? What else with Band Smack Pal? What's going on with the Old Man Wade Show? What else you got? Uh, let's see. What do what article have I written that's gonna piss you off? <laughs> <laughs> 
I recently wrote an article uh, matching 30 WWE superstars with 30 Marvel uh, DC superheroes uh, and villains, actually. Uh, that's on. So if you look up Bam, Smack, Pow, and then Mark, if you Google that, I'll come up. Uh, an article came out today, uh, why Olivia Munn should be Psylocke in MCU, and I discussed why that is. I got a couple of articles on the boys. I'm still uh, watching Black Lightning. <laughs> um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> You're still watching Black Lightning? I'm still, I'm still watching and covering Black Lightning. Okay, hold on. We got to take a second really quick. What the fuck is going on in that show right now? Uh, this has been the best season so far. Straight up and down. It's also had the best action of any CW show. The best what? Action. Hands down. Oh, like, you know. you can tell that this, uh, whoever was in charge of CW was like, yeah, put more money into this, please. Because, <laughs> like, uh, Black Lightning has a new suit now. Um, the graphics don't look so cheesy anymore. There's been more. There's been they've added additional uh, black actors and actresses from like our era. Uh, it's it's been really good. Because we quit the show. We were reviewing the show. We quit the show in the middle of season two because it was just too bad. It was just so bad to me. And I, got, I wanted to got, give it a chance. So maybe I'll maybe I'll try to finish that up and watch the season. It'll be on Netflix in like two weeks. The season's we, over already. Uh, the season finale was actually tonight. Oh, okay. Oh, so when you're when you're done watching season uh, three, we can um we can discuss it uh, in length because like I said, I've covered every episode so far. Uh, there are going to be some things that are going to piss you off. Though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't even want to tell you about because I'm just waiting that waiting for you to watch it on Netflix and then wake up and waking up to go to my overnight shift and see that I have like twelve. Uh, Twitter notifications from you going, what the fuck is this? What the fuck is that? How is this person alive? Why is this person not dead? It's, I can't wait. Mike. <laughs> speaking of that, Mike and I and Devin were maybe we'll get Old Man waiting on this. We were supposed to watch the season finale of uh, Oh, I still want to do this. We were supposed to watch the series finale of Gotham mm. without any context. We quit the show in season two. So we didn't watch anything after that because it was so terrible. And so Yo, two, I got through four episodes and I was like, yeah, fuck this. <laughs> and so we watched the preview of it and it was so incredibly ridiculous. And I was just like, we have to watch this to see what the fuck is going on. Like we have to see like what, why any of this is happening. And so what we talked about was, um, sorry, what we talked about was um, watching the show and the season, the series finale with no context, not looking up what happened before, nothing, just turning on the series finale and seeing what the fuck happened and then reviewing it. So if you want to do something like that, if you're down to do something like that, you are more than welcome. Um, yeah, I feel like we should all find a day where we can all cut it on at the same time and kind of like Skype together <laughs> and watch it and then review it. Because <laughs> yes. there's no way. I, I feel like, okay, so I know people who enjoy the show. Uh, most of the people whose opinions that I trust, except for like one person, everyone else hates that show. <laughs> it's so terrible. 
I don't know how you can like that show. And it's funny because the one person who likes it, they're batting 900. That's the only thing they've ever suggested to me that I just flat out have not liked. And I like Commissioner Gordon. I like Gordon as a character. But dear God, I don't give two booty cheeks about that show. It's bad. I, I just, and I want to watch it because I like the dude who plays Joker and he looks crazy and looks like it's going to be good. But if I have to watch any of that show, yeah, it's going to be a no for me. <laughs> so, Mike, you still want to do that? Absolutely. And I, I mean, I totally forgot that we were even considering this, but I'm still down for this. I think it'd be hilarious. We should, like, schedule it. All right. So, uh, we'll get that in. We got to do our regular show. Devin's been super busy, so we haven't been able to do the regular show in a while. Uh, well, two weeks. So, we'll get to that uh, very soon, too. Um, oh, you didn't say what you got on the Old Man Way show. <laughs> uh, so... The, the one that the, the episode that comes out Wednesday, uh, my homegirl Amanda comes in and we're discussing the Caribbean, like the like carnivals mm-hmm. and like rules and things like that. Um, this is before we get to like International Women's Day. Um, the episode we did a, uh, last week, uh, <laughs> it's called Don't Bring Nothing, You Can't Stay. We talk about um, being single, sex, and booty calls. Uh, the one before that, we talked about. Uh, Zaya Wade, me and um, Super Work were discussing um, that fuckboy Boosie and his comments. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 told, I was like, I'm not even gonna ref- I didn't even repeat what he said because it's nasty. But we were in support of, we were in support of her. Uh, the Stargate Know Your Geek. Um, and this is probably my favorite title uh, of the year so far. God hasn't bought, a, bought his minivan yet. So, yeah, make sure you go subscribe to Old Man Wade Show. It's on iTunes. Uh, what is it? Is it on Spotify now? It is literally everywhere. Everywhere. Go subscribe it's to the cool. Old Man Wade Show, man. And thank you for coming on. It's been too long since we got to talk comics. And hopefully we'll do this in the next week or two for the next 12 issues. And keep it going. Uh, Mike, I will talk to you very soon. And listeners, thank you guys for listening. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast at, leave us a five-star review. It helps us out a lot. And we will be back soon. Peace.